So uh, when we were meeting and greeting each other, I asked uh, you guys to share with one another what is the best feast that you've ever had. The best feast that I've ever had, of course, was my own wedding feast, the feast at my wedding. And the reason why it was so awesome and so great is the people that were there. Because I don't think I'll ever, 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 ever experience that group of people in the same room ever again. Maybe at a funeral, at my own funeral, but then I wouldn't experience it with them uh, or won't be conscious for that. Uh, but there were so many people. There were old friends. There were current and new friends. There were church friends. There were ministry partners. There were uh, kids, everyone's kids. There were family members. There's Janice family members. Uh, extended family that I hadn't seen in a long time. Extended family that we hadn't invited, but that had just showed up. They never RSVP'd. And, uh, um, and then the life of the party, the people that danced and were celebrating and were the students, the college students that we were doing ministry with. And um, it was so awesome. It was so <laughs> lively. And um, we didn't, it wasn't like anything elegant or glamorous. We didn't get the Hilton or the Hyatt or anything like that. It was actually this, we got the Washington Square or Washington Ballroom. Um, and it was dirt cheap. And we didn't really pay any money to cater food. Uh, Janice's mom and her group of friends cooked some of our favorite Korean dishes. And then my sister-in-law, they own a teriyaki restaurant. They provided, a, catered a bunch of food. And it was just, you know, comfort food and people, there was enough and people enjoyed themselves and people at, at the round tables. Uh, it was really fun making the guest list, like the table list, who would sit at the tables because we wanted to like switch things up, not just people who knew each other to sit together, but people would be like, oh, that person would enjoy talking to that person, or you know, that person with that person would be really interesting. So we did that, and it was a blast. It was really fun, and I'll never forget it because, yeah, like I said, it's the relationships and the people um, in all parts of our life that we know separately in different contexts, but all to be all in one room sitting at one table at one banquet was beautiful. And this is what I compare uh, whenever I read in scripture, uh, as we did in Isaiah 25, the great banquet, God's meal that he's providing on this mountain, a feast for all nations. Or in Revelations, the image of all people, tribes, and nations coming at the feet of God to feast and eat, and Jesus himself in this parable and throughout the Gospels, talks about the feast, the great banquet, where God will come and provide and feed his people, all who are hungering and thirsting. And you guys shared some of your favorite meals, some of your favorite feasts, right? There's going to be turkey there, organic turkey there, with a lot of meat and extra dark meat on it, right? Whoa, right? There's going to be... Uh, pot stickers, but not just the cheap frozen kind that you get at the grocery store, but homemade wrappers and like handmade, right? There's going to be handmade dumplings and fried chicken that's perfectly fried and not old oil, but new oil, 
This is the feast that we're going to come. And at this feast will be all of your favorite people, right? People from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Because even as we sit here, we're limited as the people of God because we don't have a representation of all people. We don't represent all languages. We don't represent all cultures. But at God's feast, people, everyone who is in God's family will be at the table. And this will be unrepeatable, unprecedented. It'll ne it's never happened before, but because God is who he is, it's going to happen. Isn't that an amazing vision and promise and hope? Say amen, church. Amen. Woo! Yeah. And so I'm really excited about this. And I think Jesus is really excited about this. And when you see Jesus get upset, right? When Jesus gets fired up, it's because he sees something different happening. Right? Something that's not uh, the way that it should be. Something that doesn't reflect his father's heart, God's heart. Something that limits people from coming to the table. From coming and enjoying and feasting. Maybe the poor are denied access. Maybe those who um, are diseased or crippled or lame are denied access. Maybe those who are socially awkward, who just don't fit in, are denied access. And this is what is happening in Luke 14, 16 through 24, uh, the context of which is Jesus has been invited to the home of a prominent Pharisee. And this is interesting in of itself because we know Jesus was kind of a traveling person, right? He traveled with his disciples. Other places in scripture, he says, the son of man has no place to lay his head. He was, he was essentially homeless, traveled around, and, uh, and depended on the hospitality of the people wherever they traveled. And so he traveled around with his disciples. And so you, you imagine him as being someone who lived simply, um, someone who was not rich, was poor even, and homeless, and at the same time, Jesus also is invited to parties like this of a prominent Pharisee because he was also a person of influence. He was also a person that had a platform that the religious leaders, maybe they felt threatened by him, but at least he had um, a sense of importance in their eyes so that they would invite them. But the reason we read in Luke 14 that they invite him to this great banquet of a prominent Pharisee is that they've come, um, they've come to um, watch him. It says they come to watch Jesus and to test him, right? And so at this party, at this banquet, the Pharisees, the religious leaders are watching Jesus. Is he going to slip up? Is he going to break some sort of uh, tradition? Is he going to commit some sort of cultural faux pas, right? And we're going to watch him. And as soon as he messes up, we're going to jump on him. We're going to jump on him and we're going to say, see, see, you're illegitimate. And so Jesus, they're watching Jesus. And if you've done any, I'm an English lit major in, in college. And so I read a lot of Shakespeare. I think I took three Shakespeare courses. So I love Shakespeare, plus the professor who taught Shakespeare gave easy A, so I took his class as much as possible. Um, but 
Uh, in Shakespeare, Shakespeare uses a device often called the play within a play, the drama within a drama. So if you, uh, Hamlet, right? Hamlet, uh, there's a play, he there's a play that's uh, set before the king, and that play is like a mini play within Shakespeare's play, right? So there's the audience, and then there's the audience in the play. So it's called a play within a play. But here in Luke, it's a banquet within a banquet, right? Jesus is at, at a literal banquet interacting, but as he's interacting and responding to the people at this banquet, he tells a story, a parable about a banquet, the banquet within a banquet. <clears throat> and as the Pharisees and the other religious leaders are watching him, Jesus is also watching them. And those two kind of cultural things are coming into conflict. The Pharisees see that Jesus, at this party, sees a man who's been suffered from uh, the swelling of the skin for, all, for many, many years. And Jesus heals that man. It's the, it happens to be the Sabbath. So they're like, oh, they jump on that right away. They're like, Jesus, it's unlawful to heal on the Sabbath. You cannot do that. It's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work. And so Jesus returns uh, their critique of him with a question. Tell me, would you, uh, if an ox or a child, your own child, fell into a pit, would you just let them die? Would you just leave them there because it's the Sabbath? And they, it says that the, the religious leaders were quiet. They had nothing to say because, of course, they would save an ox. Of course they would save a child. And so Jesus' point in this is, why wouldn't I save someone on the Sabbath? Because the bottom line is, the Sabbath, humanity wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for humanity, right? The Sabbath was made to bless people. And that's the spirit of the law. That's God's desire is to bless people. So why are you knocking me? when I'm helping this person, when I'm helping to give life and rest to this person. That's the intention of the Sabbath, amen? amen. And we gotta remember this as a church. Sometimes as church or any community, we build these rules and these traditions and we don't realize that these rules and traditions actually keep, keep people from experiencing the goodness and life of God, right? They actually block access to people. And, and I think Jesus would look at us and say, why do you have these rules and traditions if they're hurting people? Isn't the point of my body and my church to bless people, to, get, to help them gain access to new life in me? Like, let the children come. Let the children come. Stop blocking people. And this is God's heart and this is Jesus' heart. The second thing that happens is that uh, Jesus is watching them, watching the people at the party. And what he notices is people are jockeying for position at the table. You know, like we go, we go out to lunch, your friends go out to lunch, or you go out to, and it's a big party, maybe you go to Red Robin or whatever, and it's a long table, right? Everyone's like, wanting to sit in the center or sit in the, you don't want to sit on the ends of a table, right? Because you're going to be like 
away from what, all the conversation and what's happening. Or you don't want to sit next to that group of people because it's going to be awkward and there's going to be awkward silences. So everyone's like making sure that they sit in the right place. I just like to sit on the outside of everything because I feel claustrophobic and I want to get to the bathroom. I want to escape if there's like a fire and be sure like I'm the first one out and stuff like that. So that's different. But people are always jockeying and considering position at the table. How am I sitting so I can have advantage in terms of who I speak to, who I rub shoulders with? And this is what Jesus is observing at the banquet is that people are sitting down at the places of honor. I don't know uh, in that culture, uh, in that time, what the places of honor were, maybe the center of the table or at the edge of the table or where all the good meat was, wherever the, the main part of the food was laid down or near the host, uh, you're next to the birthday boy. You see kids doing that. I wanna sit next to the birthday boy, the birthday girl. I wanna see them open presents. I wanna help them blow out their candles. Those are the places of honor that we look for. And Jesus is observing this, and he tells a story, right? And the story that he says is, when a host invites you to a banquet, instead of looking for the best seat, the best seats of honor, lest you be humiliated when the, another guest comes in and he says, actually, that's their seat. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? Like, can you move down that way? You're not, as, you're not that important. You're not a VIP. Right? And Jesus is saying, why don't you instead start off with the lowliest place at the table? So that when the host does say, hey, you don't sit there, come, come closer to me, then you'll be honored. And therefore, in the kingdom of God, the least shall be first and the first shall be last. And this is Jesus's kind of mindset. He's saying the kingdom of God is an upside down culture. It's different than what's going on here at this banquet where people are jockeying for position, jockeying for honor. Instead, like, forget about honor, right? Consider yourself the least. Be humble. Don't worry about drama. Don't worry about politics. Don't worry about whether you're going to be recognized. Don't worry about what people think about you. Don't worry about status, position, and privilege. Don't worry about any of those things because when, people, when everyone at the table is worrying about that, the table, the family rips apart, right? Amen. Don't worry about that. Consider yourself the least. Um, so on the one hand, here's the banquet of the Pharisee. And what's important is the traditions and the rules. It's unlawful to heal on the Sabbath, right? Whereas for Jesus, on this side is actually be compassionate on the Sabbath, right? Compassion should be the rule and the tradition. Love should be the rule and tradition, not these kind of rules that uh, make everything rigid. And then on the Pharisees uh, side of things, there's this notion of upward mobility, right? It's all about getting ahead. It's all about climbing the ladder. It's all about upward mobility. And it's the same. A lot, all of us struggle with that in our culture because that's what's, that's what's looked upon, right? That's what's given merit is, are you rising in society, right? Success, accomplishment, letters, right? What, how, how much money you make, 
how big is your house? How good of a job do you have? How educated you are? And that's upward mobility. But Jesus, what does he say? He turns that upside down, and he's about downward mobility. He's saying, instead of looking for the best place at the table, look for the least place. It's a reverse, right? The banquet within the banquet. In the kingdom of heaven, things are reversed and turned upside down. So someone, when Jesus says this, uh, you know, he says, invite the poor and the lame um, to a party when you invite people. Don't worry about people who are successful or worry about people who are going to uplift you. But instead, invite the poor and the lame and the crippled. Go to the highways and the byways and invite them. And someone says, wow, how blessed are they who will taste the feast of the kingdom of God. And it's to this that Jesus replies in our passage, and he tells the parable. Right? Blessed are they who will taste the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, yes, blessed are they who will feast at God's table. But what you think, the people that you think are going to feast at his table aren't, what, aren't qualified, aren't qualified by means of what you think qualifies them. Right? What qualifies them is their willingness and their acceptance of the invitation. Right? So what he says, it says, Jesus replied, a certain man had a banquet um, and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Right? So this, this makes me think that the invitation has gone out long before, and people know about this banquet. Because he finally says, now you can come. Everything's ready now, right? And I even think maybe people said initially, oh, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll come. When you, let us know when everything's ready and the feast is ready and we're going to come. And so the man is telling his servant, go and tell those people now who said they were going to come, come. Because everything's ready and prepared. But instead of people being like, all right, let's go. He meets three people who, like Peter, denied Jesus. Three people deny this, person, this host three times, right? They all, it says, all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I just bought a home, right? And I'm in transition. My bo everything's in boxes. I got to unpack. You know, I'm busy. Just wait till I get settled, then I'll come. I can't go anywhere until I'm settled, right? And thou, please excuse me. The next one says, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And I was trying to figure out, what's a contemporary example of this, right? Is he excited? Like, I just bought five oxen. I'm excited to try it out. Like, I just bought a new speedboat, and I can't wait till I try it out. Or is this, is this about work? I just, I have to work, right? I have a new job. You know, I got to go out and, tr and do this w new job. You know, I'm busy. My hands and my plate is full. Sorry, will you please excuse me? <laughs> the third one is hilarious because the guy doesn't even say, please excuse me. He just says, I just got married. I can't come, <laughs> right? It's like, and this one kind of makes sense, like, 
I just got married. My wife says no. <laughs> right? Don't, don't we? Or my husband says no. Don't we use this excuse? Like, I use it all the time. Like, if I don't want to straight up say no because I don't want to come, I'd say, oh, Janice said no. You know, you put it on your spouse. That's like way, way passive aggressive and bad. It's like, why do you make me the evil person? Why do you make your spouse or your friend or the other person the evil person? Um, instead of just saying, I can't come, right? So he's like, I got married. I can't come. And the servant comes back and re reports this to the master. Then the owner of the house became really angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The owner is really angry. All of us like to be hosts. All of us, when we invite people or throw a party, we want to know that people are going to be there, right? Even if you put out a Facebook event or some sort of event, if people are not responding, you're kind of like, what's wrong with me? Why don't they want to come to my thing, right? And for people to refuse like this, it gets you upset, right? I've gone out of my way to make this bread for people. And I've prepared my home, I've cleaned it, I've baked turkey and everything you want and you're saying no oh that's so frustrating right but the host is proactive right because the host the very nature and core of the host is that he's a host right okay they say no go out Go out to the streets and the alleys and bring me the lame, the poor, the crippled, and the blind. Right? It doesn't matter who it is, what job they have, how much money they have. Right? It's about their willingness Amen. and their need to come and their desire to eat. Amen. Right? Amen. Then, the ma then the master told the servant, Oh, well, the servant said, I've done what you've ordered. I went out to the streets. And notice the alleys and the streets of the town. It's kind of like, I saw it as like the urban parts, right? It's in the city. Go to the streets and the alleys of the city. He, servant comes back, but there's still room, right? And that's another piece that we should pull from this is that the master's home is enormous. There's lots of room. And that kind of echoes, in my father's house are many rooms, right? God's house is humongous. And God, uh, you know, there's people out there who have huge homes, but it's like just them and one other person living in there, right? God has a huge home, but he wants to fill it up and use it, actually use the home, right? So he's like, all right, keep inviting. Let's fill this up. So the master tells the servants, not just the city, but go beyond the city, right? Go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full of fullness. I want there to be voices and music and singing and dancing, right? And laughter. I want it to fill my house. That's my heart. And I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And here we see the heart of God. 
the heart of God. On one level, the challenge is to the leaders of Israel and the story and their story of rejecting God and God's plan to extend the broader invitation to the Gentiles, to the nations. On another level, we're, we're here to see the heart of God, right? The heart of the great host to take on the host's character as we both extend the invitation, accept his invitation, and extend the invitation to other people. Amen. He is open, right? They don't want to come? All right, let's invite different people. Let's invite more people. I don't care. They can come from anywhere. They can be anyone. Come, come. He's open. He's abundant. My house is huge. Let's fill it up. I have a lot of food. Let's not put it to waste. I've got a lot. And he loves the willing heart. He will go anywhere to find these willing hearts. And that's why people love Jesus. Right? Because Jesus came and it's like, it's not about you, right? Or how fancy your clothes are, or nicer houses, or how much scripture you know, or this or this or that. It's about when God invited you, did you come? Did you say, yes, I will come and eat at your feast? Yes, I want to celebrate with you with other people, right? I want to go to the party. I want to eat and drink from your table. Because you have so much. You have life. Amen. You have life. Amen. Amen. God is the great host. He loves preparing lavish meals and having people over. Secondly, he desires people to respond to his heart with their own willing hearts. Right? And God's house is big. And he wants to fill it up. God's invitation is broad. He invites anyone from anywhere. If you wonder whether you belong in God's house, in this place, in Christ's family, you belong. Right? God invites you. God welcomes you. God welcomes all people. And we need to stop getting in the way of that and let the people come. Amen? And all that he wants is people to be like, to get in touch with their hearts and be like, yeah, I want to come. Right? I want to eat good food. I want to have a good time. Yeah? And I need salvation. Right? I need the gift that Jesus Christ has given us, which is life. I, I want to receive that and accept that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the feast that you've prepared for us. Uh, and thank you that we get to sit at your table and also we get to go out and invite people and but that's not a very hard sell, if you think about it. It's actually a pretty easy sell to be like, hey, come and eat at my father's table because there's life here. And I pray that all will be made full.
um, that at, at this table, um, in your house, that it would become a house of prayer for all nations to come and that we would get a taste and be blessed because we have a taste of your feast in this place as a community. In your name we pray, amen. <laughs>